Hello and welcome to this episode of Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I'm based in Sydney and uh, now we're out of lockdown, have been making up for lost time socialising, which is why my voice is a little bit husky. I do apologise for that. And now is your opportunity to ask questions of our expert, who today is Baby Whisperer. Can I say Baby Whisperer? Baby sleep expert, Joe Ryan. Joe is here to help you with all your questions. She knows about babies and toddlers and how you might juggle the two when you're trying to settle them both, which I have found very challenging myself. The point is, though, that this is your time to ask specific questions of Joe, and she can answer them for you. Uh, so if you're watching us live via Facebook, pop your questions below there. Or if this is a, a catch-up for you, either on podcast or you're watching the video later, you could, if you're watching us on Facebook, you can send an email or uh, direct mail to us, or you can join our helpline group on Facebook where you can post your questions there. If you're listening to the podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. So many ways to get in touch. How are you, Jo? I'm very well, thank you. Let's start. This is from an anonymous mum. It's from our Facebook inbox. She has a five and six-year-olds behaving badly. I am the mother of a baby and two older boys aged five and six. I'm looking for advice with discipline. I've tried spanking their bottom. I understand this is a controversial topic and it's not my preferred way, so I haven't tried it again. I've also tried grounding them from electronics, but their behavior is increasingly getting worse and worse. In the span of a week, they have colored all over my walls. My youngest child's father was washing dishes and I was at the doctor, so I do not put blame on him, and smashed a whole pumpkin on the carpet while I was feeding my infant. Their school behavior is not the best, thinking it's funny to tell school personnel that I am not their mum. Good thing they knew it was a joke. And they still get into things like toddlers, intentionally pouring things out, destroying toys or items in the home. I could go on. So we made a behavior board so they can see rewards versus behavior not getting rewarded uh, versus behavior not getting rewarded. It didn't work. They stood in timeout where I couldn't see, scratched the paint and sheet rock off. I don't understand how they did it. I put them in timeout in their rooms and they and they will fall asleep. They cry and refuse to eat what is prepared for dinner because it's not ramen noodles or cereal. <laughs> Sorry, that's just very specific. Um, so I make them what they want because they have to eat. I've tried everything. I mostly try to practice gentle parenting and talk to them and try to make them understand they have to respect me as their mother and hold them accountable for the behavior. My oldest likes to smirk and both children are disrespectful and defiant on purpose. I don't want them going down the wrong path and I truly feel like I'm failing when honestly I'm doing my best. I don't know what else to do. Please help. That's tough, isn't it? Yeah, that is tough. And look, um, you know, it sounds to me that perhaps bringing a new baby into the house is, you know, maybe sort of triggered this behaviour. You know, sometimes that, that can happen. Um, you know, because your attention is elsewhere and often, you know, bad behaviour or, you know, which I guess this is, is a a sort of signal that something is not working for them, um, that they're trying to get your attention one way or the other. Um, 
and it can just kind of uh, kind of compound, I guess, over time as they learn that certain things work or certain things, you know, trigger you to, you know, um, and make you respond or react might not be the, you know, a great reaction, but for them it's a reaction and sometimes that's all they're after. Um, it's also really important to understand where psychologically and developmentally these kids are at in their emotional development. And at five and six, it's very hard for them to um, actually understand anyone else's point of view. So, you know, talking to them for long periods of time or trying to rationalise with them, or, you know, can often just fall on deaf ears. So it, it is tough. Um, you know, so I, I would start by... You know, and there's a whole school of thought around rewarding behaviour, like whether reward versus punishment is actually a good thing to do around behaviour because it sets children, it can create them to kind of lie or hide stuff or, you know, because they think if I don't do that, I'm, I'm going to get punished or if I do do if I tell them, you know. So, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff around that. I mean, I would start by really just trying to, and it sounds like, you know, you're on the right track by acknowledging their feelings. Time out is not really a great thing. It doesn't really work. It's been proven. It's It, it again, creates some negative, sort of can create negative behaviour. Um, so it's all about acknowledging their feelings, naming what they're, do, what they're doing. You know, I can see you're upset or angry or I don't like that. But also I think maybe just, taking some time to spend with them one-on-one. -on -one. And I know you have a very busy household, you know, because you have two children of school age and you've got, you know, young children, but you've also got a baby. So your hands are full. So between you and your partner, if you can take some time to where you're not busy with the baby and the other one's washing the dishes, you know, to actually have some one-on-one -on -one time with both of them on their own, not together, like each one with you probably as the mother. You're the one that they're probably missing most at the moment too. Um, just half an hour, you know, every day. If you can, 20 minutes is better than nothing, you know, something where it's just one-on-one. -on -one. And trying to get them to talk about how they're feeling, which is hard as at that age because, as I say, they're just not developmentally often able. But if you can help name what they're feeling can help. And, I mean, obviously I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not a, also not really an expert as children grow, you know, and their behaviour becomes more around psychological development. So there are other people that, you know, are available to do that sort of thing, experts, um, you know, in the field like Dr. Justin Coulson, who is a real expert on uh, children's behaviour. But my, my sort of take on it would be that that's what it sounds like to me, that they're missing their mum and they're trying to get your attention somehow. So mm -hmm. I would start by just little things, just one-on-one, um, you know, and I think you've tried the behavioural chart and it doesn't work and kids are that, they don't really care at the end of the day, you know, about that sort of yeah. stuff. So just talking to them, understanding what they're feeling, trying to name their feelings, help them understand what they're feeling and, and, and having that one-on-one -on -one time can really help to change the situation. And whether that means you have to change your routine slightly that could work, you know, and just the basics too, just from my point of view, just make sure they're getting enough sleep 
too, you know, because they're school age. Um, I'm not quite sure if both of them at school, but they are around that age. So they're very busy. It sounds like they're very busy. Children of that age really need to go to bed early because if they're tired and they're going to be late at night, they're missing out on the really good quality of sleep in the evening. And then their behaviour is absolutely going to be worse because of that. They just can't cope with being tired. So make sure they're in bed and asleep around 7, 7.30 at the latest, I would think. Um, make sure they're, they're eating when they need to eat and they're eating well because, you know, hunger, tiredness, those things also affect behaviour. Yeah. yeah, and I would also suggest... Um, Maggie Dent, if I if you if you get the chance, anonymous mum, just because I know the times I've spoken to her and and um you know I use my interviews as an excuse just to get help with my own son, <laughs> who is seven, so similar age, and she just hits the nail on the head when it comes to sometimes I know that um boys and girls there's there's lots of things that are the same but there are some things that are different at certain ages and some and she has humour. And I, I think it sounds like you need a little bit of something to laugh at right now because that sounds so hard. So good luck with that. And please come back to us if you have any further questions. But um, we'll put links in the notes of this episode to the resources that um, we both just mentioned there. Our next question comes from Ebony on Facebook Live. She says, hi, Joe. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old who is a terrible sleeper and always has been, who has now entered night terrors. Any advice on how to best help her through them before her screams wake up the 10-year-old? Oh, sorry, 10-week-old. Oh, yeah, look, night terrors are are difficult things to manage because they are... um, it's not behavioural. It's kind of something that, you know, happens physically to them. It's, it's, and it usually happens around the same time every night. So that's the, the indication that's a night terror. It usually happens in the evening period where children are supposed to be in their deepest sleep of the night. Um, it happens around the same time and they're absolutely inconsolable. Like they're, they're not actually awake, awake. They're, you know, they're kind of asleep. They often don't recognise you or won't respond to soothing. Um there are some things you can do. Often they can be triggered by being overtired, um, you know, because they drop into this really heavy, heavy sleep, but then come out quickly with a bit of a start, which causes the terror, um, causes a kind of screaming and the disorientation. Um, so maybe putting to bed a little bit earlier um, might help just while you're through that. Also, there is a school of thought that you know, if they happen at, say, 9.30 every night, that you go in at sort of 9.15 and you slightly just rouse them out of their deeper sleep. So you kind of, you know, just gently kind of rouse them slightly so they might sort of acknowledge you're there and then roll over and go back to sleep. And often that will mean that they won't sort of, you know, they'll then be in a lighter sleep and drop down, you know, a bit later. So they'll miss that kind of period of the, of the night terror. Um they're probably the things that I would try, you know, but generally it does happen, uh, you know, in a period of growth. And so, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it, but try those things. And hopefully it's, you know, I would really work on getting into bed a, a little bit earlier. So she's not so tired when she goes down, that could definitely help. All right. Good luck, Ebony. And uh, we have a question from Susie. I'm going to say Susie with a Z because we have a few questions from Susie's coming up on our Facebook Live. Yes. She says, um, I'm wondering what the best bedtime and wake times are for a 14-month-old. 
He has always been a great sleeper, but now he's waking, screaming in the middle of the night, sometimes an hour after I put him down. He has a 10-minute nap at 9 a.m. and sleeps one and a half to two hours at 12.30 p.m. and goes to bed for the night at 6.30 p.m. I would maybe try and move them to one sleep a day, but bring his bedtime a little bit earlier to around 6 p.m. just for a little while. Um, uh, you know, if he's having two sleeps and I would have, yeah, like half an hour at 9.30 and then maybe from 2 till 3.30 and then bed at, say, 6.37, you could try that. It's usually an indication that they're going down a bit overtired. So just maybe tweaking the routine slightly uh, will help with that. And then ultimately he should be working towards moving to one sleep a day over the next couple of weeks, month, you know, or so. Yeah. Okay. This one comes from Julie on our Facebook Live. She says, thank you for the advice last week. I started transitioning my 16-month-old to his own room and cot. The first two nights were the hardest with screaming and crying. I think I slept maybe three hours in the two days. Ouch. I have taken the approach a bit slower so he goes to bed okay and wakes around 2 a.m. It takes me one and a half hours to resettle him, so I'm trying for a few nights. If he doesn't settle, should I bring him in with me and gradually leave it longer and longer? Will this be okay to try or should I continue the full night in his room? I would definitely encourage you to keep him in his room all night because if you take him out, he will only just keep waking because that's a nice little reward for him for waking is to get into mummy's bed. So I think just be really conscious of how you're settling him at that wake, that you're not doing too much, you're not picking him up. You know, you can lean in and give him a cuddle, but just constantly trying to just soothe him and get him back to sleep. The time it takes should reduce. And if it's not, then something's not working. Either he's getting something else or there's, you know, we're doing too much. You're doing a bit too much to help him. But definitely I would, you're almost there, just stick with it and hopefully things should definitely improve. Our next question is this time from our Susie with an S on Facebook Live. She says, hi, Joe. do you work with older kids too? I can't seem to get my eight-year-old to sleep before now before nine, no matter how early I start bedtime routine. Then he struggles to get up and get ready for school in the morning. Do you have any advice? And I, I just, before you answer that, Joe, I would just say to Susie that um, anecdotally, I have heard this is a problem is, is a problem with a lot of children post-lockdown. So I'm not sure where you're based, Susie, but um, I've heard a lot of children in this age bracket that are a bit older um, have found it going hard to get to sleep early for a number of reasons. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you're alone. It's totally understandable um, with lockdown and with what's been going on that children of that age are struggling a little bit at bedtime um, I would just start the routine earlier and, and you know I'm sure you have this but having a really good bedtime routine around sleep is very important for all ages um, and you know maybe some of those meditations that um, you have on um, kindling, kindling the, um, bedtime explorers yep yeah, bedtime explorers um, are a great way for children to kind of calm their mind. And even if he's, you know, still going off to sleep late, you know, that it will start setting up a habit and hopefully then um, he'll fall asleep a little bit earlier because, yeah, it's hard then they're going to bed too late, they wake up tired the next day and it becomes that kind of vicious cycle of overtiredness. Um, so just be conscious that, 
dinner's not too late, uh, that there's, you know, not a lot of TV or too much kind of, you know, that it's nice calming TV if it is before bedtime, that anything they're doing is not really active. The books that they're reading are not kind of really kind of overactive, you know, for their imaginations. There's not, you know, that it's all kept very much on the low down and maybe introducing those bedtime meditations, guided meditations, um, you know, would be a nice new thing to introduce into the bedtime ritual and hopefully that will help. And I've got to say, I mean, bedtime explorers are brilliant, but the other thing that I use with my kids is Headspace and I use it for myself. I mean, you do have to pay to use those meditations, but they have these things called sleepscapes, which are very similar to what we do for bedtime explorers. And even if my daughter's like, oh, I don't want to listen to this, I'd rather listen to a podcast, Sometimes I just say, no, this is what you're listening to because it is designed to make you go to sleep. And they have ones there that are for kids like Cat Marina. And I, and I listen to them and send myself off to sleep. So I think um, once you sort of understand that it's, it's, not, it's even not easy for us to fall asleep, sometimes it's, it's less of a problem and more, okay, this is something we can all go through and it's not a problem, but here's something that can help you sleep better. Um, and hopefully that works because understand, Susie, it is very hard to get kids out the door in the morning. Uh, we have a question from Mega from Facebook Live. She says, my baby is three months old and doesn't sleep more than 45 minutes at a stretch. Total naps during the day is four to five hours and nighttime is also the same pattern. Is this okay or is there anything I can do to get bub sleeping a bit longer? So 45 minutes is your classic catnapping. Um, and this sort of really does developmentally kick in around the 8 to 10-week mark. There are things that you can do to help speed up the process of them learning to string their naps together and sleeping longer. Um, so working on getting her to fall asleep in her in her bed rather than in your arms or on the breast or on the bottle if that's what's happening. So that's what I would really focus on. Overnight, 45-minute naps are not really great, at the, you know, for anyone at this age or any age really. She should be doing um, some longer stretches at night. So I would just look at the feeding, just make sure that she's getting plenty of milk, that she's nice and full during the day and that she's getting, you know, five to six big feeds during the day. Um, you know, but at three months really should only be requiring four hourly feeding at night, you know, I would think three, three, at the, you know, um, to four, four would be, you know, two feeds a night is usually what you're looking at at sort of a three month mark. So, um, yeah, I would just, just check that she's getting enough milk um, and also work on trying to settle her in her bed rather than in your arms or, you know, somewhere else um, can really help with the stringing the naps together and starting to get longer stretches. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with that, Mega. This question comes from Alicia. She says, hi, Joe. I'm hoping you can help with my three-and-a-half-year-old daughter's night waking. Each night from around midnight to 2 a.m., my daughter wakes up and comes into our bedroom. She crawls into bed with my husband and I and wants to sleep with us for the rest of the night. We keep trying to return her to her own bed and we'll often need to lie down with her there for up to two hours to get her back to sleep so we can then sneak back to our own bed. If we leave her in bed to go back to sleep on her own, she just comes right back into our room again. Often my hubby or I just end up falling asleep in her bed for the rest of the night, which means she's gotten to sleep with us anyway 
and and husband or I have had a terrible night's sleep. This is becoming so exhausting as we both work fairly long hours and have to get up by 6am each day. We moved her to a toddler bed from the cot six months ago and it started out great, but this has been happening for about three months now. She has a bedtime routine and is sound asleep by 7pm most nights. Her days are busy with four days of daycare every week, so she's quite ready for bed at this time. I don't really want to push it later if I can help it, but is this a solution we should try or we could try? I'd love any tips or advice. Okay, so I wouldn't push her bedtime later. I think that that's perfect. I think what's probably happening is now she's in the habit of waking, coming to get into bed or she gets one of you into bed with her. I mean, the thing is that often when kids are in childcare, you know, they want to see their parents. So they, if they can have any time with them so in the middle of the night is better than no time you know so they kind of try to do that so I would do what you're doing take her back you know sit with her for five minutes and then leave her she'll come and follow you take her back sit with her for five minutes and then leave her she'll follow you take her back so this is what you're going to have to do for one or two nights is just keep taking her back okay so and you guys can't get into bed and lie with her you know because otherwise that's again just you know reinforcing that habit that she's developed so do it on a night where you guys don't have to work the next day so a Friday night start Saturday nights, you've got Friday night, Saturday night. By Sunday night, things should be improved. You know, toddlers are amazing. They learn stuff really quickly, but we've got to show them the new way and be really consistent. So you've got to kind of have the plan and just see it through, you know, and it might be two hours of taking her back, you know, but eventually she's got to fall back to sleep in her bed without you guys in that room or at least, you know, not lying with her to start with. You might have to stand by the door and then generally work towards you getting out of the room again before she's asleep. So it is a process. It will take a little time, you know, five to ten days, Um, but the first couple of days will be the worst and then things should start to improve. So, um, yeah, definitely can, can change, but, you know, you've got to set up the new habit and show her what you're doing. And be consistent. That's a hard thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. That's why it's good to prepare. Sorry, that's my cat walking. Through. <laughs> um, good to prepare. And um, oh, no, she's back. And, again. Uh, she's back. She's a movie star. Um, good to prepare and and be both on the same page, so you you know what you're doing, so you're not sort of talking about it in the middle of the night, you know. So everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. Now, that's a silver lining from lockdown is to see people's pets. I've got to say, having (laughs) children, random children running through the background, nude partners, pets. Thank you, lockdown, for giving us that. (laughs) What's the name? (laughs) Oh, it's really, um, it's really, it's Kitty. Kitty. She's a a cat that we've just, we were fostering here and uh, then we decided we like her, so we're going to keep her. Oh, lovely. Well, Kitty, you're welcome on Helpline anytime. <laughs> um, this will probably be our last one, Joe, but it's from Carlene. She says, Hi, Joe. Since we dropped the last night feed about a month ago, my nine month old baby girl wakes up at night and we're finding it hard to resettle her. Firstly, she just chats, wriggles, and plays for half an hour or so. But after that, she can't put herself back to sleep and becomes upset. We have to cuddle her to calm her, then sit and pat her bum for up to half an hour to get her to drift back off to sleep. 
She quite often needs a nappy change at this time also. It's happening every night and I'm unsure of the best way to deal with it. Should I wait for her to get upset before going into her or should I try to change and resettle her during that period of babbling and activity before she gets worked up? Everything else is going beautifully with feeds and sleeps. It's just this one wakeful time that happens around 1 to 2 a.m. every single night. Her bedtime is around 6.30 p.m. and she's up for the day around 6 a.m. Would pushing her bedtime back a bit back a bit later help with this night waking? I don't want to mess with our routine unless it's necessary. Thanks for any advice. Um, look, it sounds like the routine is probably okay. I would just double check how much sleep she's getting in the day just to make sure she's not getting too much, which is causing her to be a bit wakeful in the night. I think at nine months she should be probably having about two and a half hours you know sleep in the day I would think um or short nap and one long nap for working towards that um 6 30 p.m to 6 a.m is great um I would tend to just try to leave her um she shouldn't really need a nappy change in the night you know just because if she was sleeping all night you wouldn't change her nappy anyway right so the fact that you're getting her up changing her can create just a bit of a habit it's like getting them up and cuddling them or something like that so I'd maybe stop doing the nappy change um, only go to her when she starts to get upset maybe a few little pats but then try to kind of leave the room if you can and maybe go in and out a bit obviously if she's distressed stay there and calm her down but if you're patting then kind of reduce the padding to the fact that maybe you're just stroking or tapping um, so reduce what you're doing and try to get out of the room again before she's asleep and let her fall back to sleep on her own. But, yeah, just I would stop, start to reduce what you're doing at that wakeful time and hopefully it will start to pass and she'll just, you know, maybe wake and go back to sleep on her own without you needing to go in there at all and then that will hopefully just then pass and she'll stop waking. Excellent. Well, Joe, thank you so much for all of your help today and for introducing us to the lovely Kitty. <laughs> New star of helpline. Sorry about the freezing situation. Oh, no, that's what we're used to these days. Um, and just before we do go, I want to let everyone know that we do have this really great online event. It's called Bump and Baby Online event. This starts Wednesday, the 10th of November, which is, oh, my goodness, next week. And it all fo focuses on the fourth trimester. So if you're pregnant, the fourth trimester is obviously after the baby is born, or maybe not so obviously, um, but it is that initial three months where, you know, it's all a bit hectic, but we've got lots of experts to talk about how you can look after yourself during that time and your baby, all the things you need to know. There's a chance to win a $500 nursery gift voucher. So if you just click on the events tab at babyology.com.au, you'll find more there. Um, thanks again, Joe, and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.